This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hi guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Unit Therapy. My name is Kat, and I am so glad you are here and you have chosen to be here today as always. Before we get started, I want to make a little note. (laughs) i give you an update of my life. So last week, my office was broken into. Very scary, very frustrating. And in the break-in, not a lot was taken (laughs) because there's not a lot in there. For anybody else that wants to break in, there's nothing left (laughs) to take. But they took uh, my podcast equipment. So that's why last Wednesday and today, the audio sounds a little different because I'm recording it on my computer. So thank God I have that option. Although many friends have offered their equipment this week, so I appreciate it. I actually thought I was going to have my new stuff today. So I said, no, thank you. And then my stuff didn't come in. So here we are. (laughs) recording on zoom it's fine it's honestly it doesn't sound that different but i just wanted to let you guys know why it did sound different and also be careful out there people and also to the man who stole my stuff i'm upset with you (laughs) um we actually got it on camera but i don't ever see him getting caught which is fine because it's stuff and it gives a lot of perspective of it that could have been worse and now we know that we need to be way more careful at the office and we're getting a whole new security system all new locks and all new ways to keep people out so if all that was lost was my podcast equipment and all that was gained was the ability to keep myself the people that work with me and my clients safer then that's worth it i believe so there is that now for today we are going to talk about something that 
I am very passionate about. Speaking of passion last week, today we're talking about one of my passions and it's exercise. And obviously we know that exercise is something that is extremely beneficial to our health, right? And yeah, it's great for our physical health and it also is great for our mental health. And so today I'm going to take some time to talk about this because this can be a touchy subject in my world. I personally have struggled with an eating disorder, as most of you guys know, and in that I also developed an exercise addiction. And I am somebody now who not only works with eating disorders, I am a fitness instructor and I've been a fitness instructor for, I think about four and a half, five years. So today it's going to be all me again. And I'm just going to talk to you about this stuff. We're going to talk about the benefits of movement and exercise. We're going to talk about what exercise addiction is and and what to do with it. So let's get right into it. I've said this before, but when it comes to eating disorders or really any kind of process addiction, the work can be more challenging because we are essentially trying to teach someone how to responsibly use their drug of choice. Like imagine if we were trying to teach someone how to responsibly use cocaine. It just wouldn't make sense. All addictions hard. This is a different kind of hard. Now, what is a process addiction? Um, I just use that word flippantly and some of you may know what that means and some of you are like, what is that? A process addiction is also known as a behavioral addiction. It's addiction that's characterized by a very strong impulse to um, engage in a specific behavior. And someone with a process addiction will engage in this behavior, whatever that behavior is, even when the results that they get from engaging in that are harmful and they have harmful consequences and to their emotional self, their relationships, their physical being, any of that. So process addictions don't involve drugs or alcohol. They're just their behaviors. And some examples are gambling, sex and love addiction, internet, exercise, which we're going to be talking about, shopping, work, porn, video games, your phone, Instagram, So the truth is we have to eat, right? We also need to be able to move our bodies and care for them well. So the truth is when it comes to a lot of things that encapsulate the process addiction realm, we can't just choose sobriety. We can't just choose abstinence from those things, uh, which makes it a little bit more difficult, like I said. So there are obviously tons of mental health benefits to exercise. We're not going to talk about the so much the physical benefits today. That is a podcast for another professional, not me. Um, there are tons of mental health benefits to exercise. And honestly, a healthy relationship to movement, which you'll hear me use those words, working out, exercise, and movement interchangeably. Those are all the same things. But a healthy relationship to movement helps eating disorder and body image work because it allows us to create kind and loving relationships with our bodies. And if you struggle with an eating disorder, sometimes you can become an over-exerciser or you can become what I like to call movement anorexic, meaning you avoid it and don't do it at all. This is partly because often when it comes to eating disorders, we want to separate ourselves from our bodies. Therefore, it can be somewhat of an enemy, right? If we want to separate ourselves from our bodies, we don't connect with it. It becomes an enemy and the stories that we create about our bodies become very big and true. So people don't want to be in touch with their bodies because it's the enemy. Movement can force us to be in touch and that doesn't feel very good if that's an enemy. And depending on your behavior, it can also be a way to punish or be cruel to yourself. And this is kind of tricky to talk about because someone who's in recovery from an eating disorder, can they can very slyly use exercise as a way to not fully 
actually engage or give up their eating disorder. So this is tough to talk about because I could spend an hour just talking about the different ways exercise is avoided or used and why. We're not going to do that today because like I said, it could be an hour exercise has the ability to be masked as a healthy behavior. It's not as black and white as a lot of other things in our world, such as drug addiction, which also isn't that black and white, but you know what I mean. Here's Catherine talking in circles. (laughs) That's what happens when I talk about things that I'm passionate about. But anyway, so what is very true and important when it comes to movement is that if we spend time being kind and loving, we will start to think different things about our bodies. And so it's something that is not just meant for our physical health, but it helps us in our recovery process when we're, I'm working with clients on body image, or if you're working on stuff to be kinder to your body. Movement can be something that is very, very kind and loving. That is the point I'm trying to make. Now, movement is also supposed to be something that you enjoy, right? This gets confused sometimes. It doesn't have to look a certain way. Movement does not have to look a certain way. To achieve the health benefits of moving your body, you don't have to do things that you hate doing. And I hear a lot of the same things when I talk to people about their distaste towards movement and exercise. And I think it's because we look at it as just like going to the gym and doing the elliptical or this crazy boot camp or what stuff like that when those are not our only options. There are about 500 different ways to move our bodies. So before you decide that you hate movement, you just don't like it, I want you to ask yourself why, why do you hate it? If it's because of what I talked about before, the connection to your body, that's one thing, right? So that's a whole thing. And then there's also a lot of other things that I hear from people. I don't like it because it's hard. I don't like it because it's intimidating or I don't like it because I'm not good at it. And I could poke holes through all of those arguments. And if it's because it's hard, that doesn't really mean that you don't like movement or exercise. (laughs) It means that you're probably stuck because if you don't like doing hard things, you're going to be very stale in your life. We have to do hard things. So that would not be why we hate something. I think that has to do with a bigger issue when it comes to you engaging in things and what difficult or what something being hard means to you. If you don't like exercise because it's intimidating, right? I think you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. (laughs) There are definitely some people in places that don't foster a supportive environment to do things that you might be quote unquote good at, but there are also places that welcome people and create spaces where it's okay to look like you don't have it all together, right? There are plenty of places and environments where you can engage in a movement type, whether that be weight training, running, rowing, cycling, swimming, in a way that it is like somewhat scary because you might not know what you're doing, but also it's welcoming and fun and exciting and again, loving and kind. So you might need to find a new place because I know for me, there are certain places that I will go and there are certain places I will not go, specifically in Nashville. And I've talked about it before, but Full Ride for me, which is where I teach cycling, is one of those places that I get why the idea of going could be scary because, and intimidating because a lot of people that go there have been going there for a long time and they do it regularly and it's something they've practiced in, in all of that. But also we don't care. Like as an instructor, I don't care if you do everything correctly, like safety wise, yes. But like if you hit every move or if you have the most resistance on class, first of all, nobody knows what you're doing, but it's in this dark environment where you get to focus on yourself and be with yourself and just have fun. There's a lot of funness in it. I don't know if funness is a word, but there are other places like that in the world. So if it's the fact 
that it's intimidating, I encourage you to go to a place that fosters an environment where they really just want to create an experience that you enjoy rather than force you to look and do a certain thing. It's not like a mean girls, you can't sit with us type vibe. Okay, so if it's because, well, I kind of talked about this, but if, if your reason for not liking exercise is because you're not good at it, well... <laughs> Nobody is just automatically good at things. And this is one of the best parts of exercise and movement anyway. No one is usually just automatically good at things when they start them. And first of all, I would like to just remove the like, I'm good versus I'm bad out of the whole discussion, because I think that when it comes to things specifically, like for me, cycling and yoga and running, it's like, it's not that you're good or bad. It just is what it is. It's your own experience. And you get to define that. But the other part is, I don't know why as adults, we start to think that if we aren't 100% good at something, we can't do it. But as kids, we don't think that way. When a four-year-old signs up for soccer, they usually are not very good at playing soccer, right? So why can kids go do things and, and we don't expect them to be good right away and they don't expect themselves to be good right away because they've never done it before? Why can't we apply that to adults? And so my question for you guys out there is like, what things, maybe not even just when it comes to exercise, but what would you be doing if you only had to be, let's say 60% good at something? What would you be doing? I want to take a second and talk about some of the reasons I do love movement and why it's something that is so helpful and wonderful when it comes to mental health and it can be a really awesome healing agent before we get into the addiction side. So I have just a couple benefits of movement that I really stand on and I think are really cool because we think about all the physical health benefits, but we don't think about this as much. So moving our bodies actually helps fight depression. And it's actually been found as just as helpful as medication in some studies. And the cool thing is you don't have the, the side effects of the medication. And there's a study done at Harvard that found that specifically running for 15 minutes a day or walking for an hour reduced the risk of major depression by 26%. And in addition to relieving depression symptoms, current research also shows that maintaining a schedule, a movement schedule, regular schedule, can help prevent you from relapsing into that depression. And this is kind of tough because you have to incorporate that like fake it till you make it strategy, right? Because somebody who's depressed doesn't really want to exercise or move. So we have to use this thing called behavioral activation. And it's basically you just do the behavior that's good for you, knowing that it's going to be good for you until you start to change how you view it, right? Then eventually you'll start to enjoy it. Exercise also can control stress and boost the body's ability to deal with existing anxiety. So this can be anything. It doesn't have to be any, it can be any kind of movement, anything that keeps your body going. Something with that is you're going to get a bigger benefit from this if you actually pay attention to what you're doing versus zoning out. So I know a lot of people talk about, oh, I go on a run and I just zone out or I do this and I zone out. And I say in my classes all the time, we're not here to zone out, we're here to zone in right? We're here to pay more attention to our life rather than less attention to our life because noticing how your body feels and paying attention to what it's doing can one, help you find space to stop worrying. Plus exercise increases concentrations of something called noroporephrine, which is a chemical that helps moderate the brain's response to stress. Also, this one is so cool guys, this is so cool. Certain types of exercise like running or rhythmic cycling, like the cycling that I do, we do it to the beat of music. So there's rhythm involved. It helps you process emotions and feelings attached to events easier. 
So running, we'll stick with running, is a form of bilateral stimulation. And bilateral stimulation is stimuli which occur in rhythmic left-right patterns. And it is one of the key components of the top evidence-based therapy for trauma, EMDR. And while we're not going to get into trauma therapy and EMDR, I'm going to tell you what bilateral stimulation does. It creates a relaxation effect, which decreases physiological arousal in your body, and it increases attentional flexibility, meaning that your thoughts become less stuck on whatever was or is bothering you. But it also creates a distancing effect, meaning that the problems that you're surrounded by or feeling will start to seem smaller and further away. And then overall, this just decreases our worry, which decreases our anxiety. Something else that movement helps with is it prevents cognitive decline. And it doesn't cure Alzheimer's, but it does help boost the brain's ability to minimize and slow cognitive decline that begins specifically after the age of 45. And working out specifically and especially between the ages of 25 and 45 boosts the chemicals in the brain that support and prevent the degeneration of the hippocampus, um, which is an important part of the brain for memory and learning. And then my last thing is movement helps create a sense of self. And this is different than self-esteem. We need hobbies. <laughs> and that was one of the best pieces of advice that a therapist gave me a long time ago was, Catherine, you need a hobby. And you have to be careful with this one, as I'll get into, because it, this can't be your only source of who you are. I am not a cycling instructor. I am not a runner. I am I'm a person who teaches cycling. I am a person who runs. But this does help create a sense of self. As I started engaging in a healthy movement relationship, I was able to also pay attention to what I like, what I don't like, what brings me joy. And it helped me identify more about who I was. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you Unique Therapy after you check out. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 
314-436-3143 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Now, let's talk about the other part of this. Let's talk about the scary part where the benefits are being overshadowed by the negative consequences of whatever movement you're engaging in. This has a lot to do with the power of addictive behaviors. So like I said, working out and movement and exercise can become a process addiction. And a process addiction is a behavioral addiction, an addiction that is characterized by a strong impulse to partake in a specific behavior. And there's not a specific universally accepted definition of exercise addiction, and it's not listed in the DSM, the latest DSM, DSM-5, though the characteristics and symptoms of behavioral addictions under which exercise addiction likely falls are described in the DSM, but there's not like a code for it, essentially. I think that will change rather soon. What we know is that the brain doesn't care where it gets its feel-good feelings things stuff from. And by that, I mean dopamine. You can become dependent on anything that activates the brain's dopamine receptors, especially when we're working with those who have already struggled with an addiction or addictive patterns. Any and all process addictions kind of need to be monitored because of that. And what can happen is a sort of whack-a-mole type thing where we're just substituting one addiction for the other because we're still looking for that dopamine release, right? We're still looking for that feel good. And we can, since we can get it from multiple places, we'll just move from, we can't do this anymore. Okay, I'll do this. And so then the real issues never get processed and they never get healed. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to share a little bit of my story because if you don't deal with this, then it's hard to conceptualize. And if you do, you may not realize it because like I said, working out is supposed to be a healthy behavior. And you'll hear in what I, I didn't know that I struggled with this for a while because I thought I was being healthy. <laughs> this is going to be a very condensed part of my story. And I'm going to leave out a lot of the details of my eating disorder because one time and two, I've probably talked about it before. And also I really just want to focus on the exercise part today. So in my eating disorder, I did not have a clue I had a problem with anything. I literally thought I was living this awesome, healthy lifestyle, and I thought I was honestly doing great. I had tons of consequences, but I didn't even realize that those consequences were there or that they were serious. And at this point, the part that I'm looking at, there wasn't a lot of defensiveness coming up around my behaviors. I really, it was like pure ignorance. I really just didn't know. So I had nothing to be defensive of because I didn't know there was a problem. So I started my movement journey, just working out like 30 minutes a day on the elliptical when I decided that I wanted to, you know, live a healthier lifestyle, which was the beginning of my eating disorder. And it was no big deal. I was just trying to get quote unquote healthy. And this was part of that. And I grew up as an athlete. And so I never really had to think about working out because it was just part of my lifestyle. And when I stopped playing sports, I didn't think about the fact that, oh, I have to still take care of my body because it was never something I 
I had to think about before. And so when I started working out, it was like a new thing for me, essentially. So I started doing like 30 minutes a day, no big deal. But then what happened is I eventually stopped taking days off. Like there'd be no rest day, which is sign one. right? And then I picked up other things. Like I started running and I started running three miles and then three miles turned to five and then five turned to six and six turned to eight and eight turned into eight half marathons in a year. And half marathons turned into me sign up for a marathon. And then I started working at gyms and it's part of the culture when you work at a gym sometimes to work out a lot, depending on what gym you're at. And Honestly, at this point, I still saw myself as someone who was just healthy and was into fitness. But you can easily see, as I just said, the progression from something I did to start taking care of myself to a compulsion that was taking over my life. Now, as I let go slowly of some of my rigid food rules, as I started to work on my eating disorder, I started compensating with more exercise. So that was happening and then this started happening. And I would do things like wake up at 5 a.m., or go to a 5 a.m. workout class, then go to work, then go to school, and then go back to the gym at night. Like I was starting to work out more than once a day. I would do double classes at the gym I was working out at. And again, not taking days off. And I was also continually getting a lot of running injuries, but refusing to rest. I would work out every day on vacations. Like I didn't go on probably certain vacations because I wouldn't be able to exercise. And I'd go to social events because I needed to wake up early that next morning or it would mess up my schedule of working out. And in college, I've mentioned this before, I skipped my very last date party to drive home and run a half marathon. And I told myself that I just enjoy running and I like, this is my lifestyle and I like this more than partying. In reality, I would do anything to go back and have one more college date party. But the thing that was happening was I was letting go of some of my food rules as this progressed more and more, but I never did the work to uncover why my eating disorder was even there and what the eating disorder was initially trying to help me overcome. Therefore, the whack-a-mole situation came into play, like I mentioned, and I just substitute, substituted exercise for my eating disorder behaviors. Now, exercise gave me an identity, just like my eating disorder once did. It definitely helped me relieve some of my stress from eating food, but it also gave me a thing that I felt like I was really good at. I was the fitness workout girl. I was super strong. I was committed. I was fast. I was all these things that I really thought mattered. (laughs) Now, I also was neurotic. I say it in a joking way, but I say that in a serious way too. Like I was constantly worrying about my next workout. Running stopped being fun. It, It was a chore. And I lost a lot of my personality. I wasn't the fun, exciting cat that you guys know now, or I hope you know. I was worried a lot. And yes, I'm generally anxious and I'm an anxious person, but it was a different kind of anxiousness and a different kind of worry. I was very irritable. I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't a good daughter. I wasn't a good sister. And I was also very judgmental of others and their lifestyle choices. However, in reality, my judgmentalness was really jealousy. And I was jealous that everybody else got to live their lives. And I felt like I was locked in a jail cell, but I honestly was the one that was keeping the door locked. And something that was always tough to understand was the amount of praise and validation that I got from my exercise addiction. I say this to encourage all of us to make sure that we know what we are complimenting when we give someone a compliment or praise. Working out for five hours a day isn't an accomplishment. It's dangerous and it's risky behavior. It's also a cry for help. Taking multiple workout classes in a day consistently does not show me power or dedication. I see a lot of fear in that, and I see an inability to cope with life and an inability to live fully. And if this sounds like you, I want you to know that if movement feels like this to you, it doesn't have to. I have a beautiful relationship with exercise, and you know, fitness is a part of who I am. 
it isn't who I am. I love working out. I generally do enjoy it, but that is why I do it now because I enjoy it because of the things that it brings me, the good, healthy, honest things that it brings me. I also do it with boundaries. I know I could get sucked back into my eating disorder and exercise addiction in two seconds if I allowed myself. I, that is, I have that kind of personality. However, I have created a lot of accountability and structure and support around me that keeps me right where I need to be. And these days I move not because I need an identity or it's the only way I can escape or relieve stress or because I hate my body. I do it because I love my body. This does not mean that I love what I look like. And let me be very clear about this. Body image work is not about loving what you look like. Some days I love what I look like, yes. Some days I don't care. And some days I cannot stand my body. They're fewer than they were before, but it still happens. The difference is even on those days, I still love and care for myself. And my body is part of myself. And what I will say and validate here is that This work is really fucking hard. It is not that easy to get out of the shower every day and see something that the majority of the world at times would find imperfection in and let you know about. It's also not easy to live in a world where there is a billion dollar industry designed to make you want to change things about what you look like. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this beautiful story about how I used to struggle with things and now my life is perfect. I would be lying if I said that. But what is harder than all of the things that I just mentioned is waking up every day trying to change myself. And the pain of agreeing with cultural and societal expectations of my body is way worse than the pain of disagreeing. So here I am disagreeing with that. And I also want to add that in my recovery, I only consistently do things that movement-wise that I like. I find cycling fun. I love it. It's fun. It doesn't feel like a quote unquote workout to me, which is kind of like how soccer was growing up. It was a game, a hobby. It wasn't just a calorie burner. And I also was able to come back to running and and learn to enjoy that too. I did take a break. And now instead of feeling like I have to run a certain amount of miles each week at a certain pace, I run when I want to. And I usually run with friends now. And some weeks I don't run at all because I don't feel like I have to. I will also say I don't really love weight training. That's not like, that's not a passion of mine, but I also have found ways to do it that are fun. And there's a difference in doing an at-home workout in your basement by yourself and enjoying your time with people. And so one of the ways that I have learned to really love weight training is doing it with people I enjoy. And one of those people um, is my good friend and trainer, Derek Billups. He is amazing. He's awesome. You guys need to follow him. You can follow him on Instagram at, at body by Billups. And then you can follow his company, his fitness company at city fit concierge. And he actually does a free workout on Sundays. I think that's up and running again. So if you're interested in just like engaging in something that's fun movement wise or trying something new, that's free, go follow his page and you'll see information on it when he does it. But all that to say, I want you guys to know that like there are ways and there there's a possibility for you to engage in movement in a way that doesn't feel and shouldn't feel like a punishment to you. Okay, so I want to also talk about some of the signs of exercise addiction and what it looks like because it doesn't always look like just my story and I didn't really give you that many details. So let's just talk a little bit more about exercise addiction in general. So people with exercise addiction are driven by, like I said, the persistent compulsion to work out. 
these are people that are going to feel unable to resist doing it. And this can actually lead them to develop a tolerance and needing more, which is why in my story, it got worse and worse and worse. And like I upped it and I upped it and I upped it because you're going to need more to get that same desired physical or mental effects. And this is the same for any addiction, right? So our tolerance changes and it, it turns from just smoking weed every now and then to smoking every day, to doing different drugs, to doing more drugs, to doing, you know what I mean? And so this is for me, it went from the elliptical to running, to this, to running marathons, to working out four times a day. Like that's what it, it turned into. And these people also can't cut back. If they try, they can't cut back. It's, it, they fail. And when exercise addiction comes into play, a person's exercise regimen, their schedule has negative consequences that they overlook or they rationalize. I did a lot of overlooking and then later rationalized them. This means that something that was once helpful is now harming them, but they ignore it or they justify it. And the largest indicator of exercise becoming an addiction is your inability to stop or reduce the amount that you're doing, despite the fact that you're now experiencing negative consequences. And the negative consequences can be anything. They can be physical, mental, social, any of that. Exercise addiction will also interfere with normal and essential functioning of your life. So this can be their inability to perform basic responsibilities or, I mean, just not being able to take care of their physical health. So over-exercise isn't taking care of your physical health. And if your exercise or movement, either the time you're spending doing it or the consequences of it, whether it's injuries or fatigue or drowsiness or irritability, those all also will interfere in your ability to live a normal life and function and, and and be social and go to work and do all the things. People that struggle with this will also tend to lose a lot of sleep and not just because they can't sleep, it's because they will get up at crazy hours to go to the gym or go to the gym super late. You'll also alienate friends and family because like I said in my story, social events are less important than your movement. And you'll end up doing things like limit your vacations or limit your vacations to certain places where you will be guaranteed the ability to work out. These people also cannot take days off or they work out even when they're sick or injured. And if you do take a day off, missing a workout will make you more irritable or anxious or depressed. A lot of times when we're working with an exercise addiction, the people with that believe that exercise is the only thing that can help them. And this is a big one because exercise is allowed to be a stress reliever and a coping mechanism because I did give you all those reasons why it's helpful, but it can't be the only thing you do. When your mood or happiness is solely dictated by the outcome of the ability to work out or how your workout went or how your body looks that day or how fit you are, or how fast you ran, when that it becomes your source of true happiness, and that's what makes you feel good. It's the only thing that's an issue. Because like I said, exercise needs to be fun. It, it shouldn't be viewed as a chore or a have to do thing. It's something that you shouldn't be doing if, if you don't want to do it or if you don't feel up to it. You can take a day off. And with all of these, and there's, there's more, I could talk about the signs for hours, but it's really important also for me to say that all of these things don't necessarily mean somebody is 100% addicted to exercise. These are just examples of things that do happen and what it can look like. So it can be an indicator that a problem exists. So if you see this in someone or you see this in yourself, this is just something that I would really encourage you to check in about. And then what, right? So then what do we do? How do we heal from this? How did I heal from this? And well, it's a little more complicated than something I can just tell you over a podcast, but... I truly believe that the opposite of addiction is connection. 
and our addictive patterns push us towards escaping the realness of life because we're missing something truly valuable. We're missing caring and loving relationships with ourselves, God, and other people. So if you're asking what the cure for exercise addiction is, I can't 100% tell you that, but I believe a big part of it is being in your life. Because when we allow ourselves to be seen and heard within healthy communities, when we allow ourselves to experience love and belonging, even in the messiness of our imperfections, when we become open to this, we can see the truth, the truth about life and who we are. We can see that we don't need to run or hide from the parts of life that feel out of control or scary. We just might need help being held in those parts, held by relationships. And when we have a system in place that allows us to connect with the world, ourselves, and God, you won't want to run away or skip that party. You'll probably want to be there fully present. So that kind of wraps up today's episode. And I know we kind of went all over the place. We talked about what an exercise addiction is, why it's harmful, and why exercise is helpful. And and my hope is that we can all work on creating healthier relationships with movement. My hope is that by having conversations like this, we are open up to the idea that movement shouldn't be a punishment. It doesn't have to be. And if it is, that's a red flag. So as always, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions, again, send them to me. Send them to Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com and I will do my very best to try to answer them on a Couch Talks episode if I am able to answer the question that you have. Again, follow me at cat.defada and at Therapy Podcast. And also keep on sending in those ratings, guys. I love every time when I see that there's a new one, I really appreciate it. So if you can scroll to the bottom and give us a rating and a review and follow the podcast because that means a lot to us as well. So I hope you have the day you need to have and um, the movement you need to have or the movement you don't need to have today. And I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and logic. 
Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love and Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love and Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com.